Hello and welcome to Bible Marathon. We're all about learning how to read the Bible, about spiritual gifts and giving proper defense and explanation for what we believe as Christians. The goal is to progress with joy in the faith and without further ado, let's get into the word. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for a time like this. Father, we pray that as we're about to go into this teaching, Lord Jesus, Father, we pray that um, we learn all that we need to learn. And we pray that we not only learn, but we'd also live by the things that we learn, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that the teachings influence our life and influence our daily activities. Father, we pray that even the person that is to teach and the other people that are to um, partake in this meeting, Lord, Father, we pray that they are guided by the Spirit. They know what to say and how to say it. And we pray that this is an impactful session for everybody involved. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Ah, welcome, everybody. Um, I'm excited. I'm also scared, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, but I'm also very, very glad to see everybody here. Everyone, you're all welcome. To those who are here for the very first time, maybe I'll just take a brief moment to say welcome and just tell you what we're all about. Um, Bible Marathon is a non-denominational group of believers coming together with the intent of building themselves up in the faith, right? So just as the name implies, Bible Marathon, we're running, and the Bible is our guide in that race. Um, and yeah, we've been in existence for a while. So yeah, and um, I'm so glad to have you guys here. We're going to especially welcome you at the very end, but um, Ernest, I saw your note, and I was like, I've, I've got to be here finally. <laughs> Maybe that was clickbait, you have no idea. All right, but let's see. Um, how is everyone doing? Are we good? I want to see some nods. All right, awesome. Because um, today, you have to be ready. A lot of things are going to discuss. Um, so, some things are deep. Some things are very basic. But I'm not making any assumptions at all with this teaching. All right, and I want you guys to be ready. This is the last teaching in the series, by the way. So if you've been following us, you know that we've been on the journey of genealogy right we call it genealogy because it's a conversation about the doctrines of the faith some of them there's a whole lot of you know doctrines um of the christian faith for example we've discussed christology right and we've discussed ecclesiology we've discussed pneumatology and if you don't know what all those are you're going to get the links um to go listen to them they were amazing teachings i didn't teach any of those uh, we had a beautiful team of teachers. But today, we're teaching something that is very, very much avoided. How many of you enjoy reading the book of Revelation? <laughs> Let me see your hand. Yeah, I know, and a lot of people just think that's the untouched, untouchable book of the Bible. And I see why, because it's mysterious. You know, people who enjoy the book of Revelation, I'm proud of you. You should actually, and I, and I hope at the end of the teaching today, that's your um, perspective to it. If God gives you something to teach you, the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Definitely, first of all, talking about the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, but everything that is given to us is for our learning, all right? And so we need to have the right idea of God's will and his plan. So today is going to take that doctrinal teaching style so don't get bored um if you have any questions at any point 
please this is what you do type it in the chat send it privately to anyone that you see is a co-host all right what that does is it it keeps me from being distracted i'm going to say a whole lot of stuff and i want to make sure that you're with me along the journey so if you have any questions please ask that way and then at some point i might stop to get feedback if you have any questions at that moment and i select you feel free to unmute yourself and i'll see if i can um answer the question all right so let me pray and then we'll jump into it all right and i want you to pray along with me so pray that god gives me wisdom and that i'm able to communicate his truth carefully and accurately father in the name of the lord jesus we thank you thank you for this time Thank you for all these people listening and those who will listen later. Lord, help me to be faithful to your word. Help me to present your word as it is. And help us, Lord, even to have that intellectual approach to understanding the things you've given to us. Our minds are alert. Help us, O oh Lord, to also see the implications of what we learn and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. <coughs> all right. So... Uh, eschatology. For those who don't know what this is, this just means the study of last things. So it's from the Greek word eschatos, right? When you add logic to anything, um, you're basically like, um, you're just making, you're saying the study of. So we've done Christology, we've done all of that stuff. So it just means last, right? Eschatos means last. So when we say uh, the study of last things, that's eschatology, all right? So it has to do with everything from, you know, final judgment to everything that you've probably thought about when it comes to the end. So everything from, like, what happens after this world? Is there a coming paradise? What is all that about? So we're going to really look into it. Um, by the way, our main text for this series, since we're ending it now, I think it's good I bring it up. We read Hebrews 6 primarily, and we're looking at what the writer of Hebrews was saying, right? Um, and at any point, you stop hearing me, please let me know, all right? So I don't, make, I don't um, miss out anything. All right, so I'm going to read real quick. Hebrews 6, 1 to 2, it says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands. And then notice, he mentions the resurrection of the dead. And he mentions eternal judgment. So there's the assumption of the writer of Hebrews that, hey, these are important things that you should know. You know? And so if he mentions resurrection of the dead, we should know about the resurrection of the dead. You know, if there is eternal judgment, we need to know about that. So that's why we're taking this. I have a lot of caveats to share so that you don't think um, I have all the answers yet. So I'll go there shortly. But how many of you have ever had this experience? Let me share one experience I had with you. I was a lot younger. And then I was, I was at home. I took a, an afternoon nap, which is something I don't do anymore. But I was young, nothing to do. There's, I finished playing PlayStation. I sleep off. And then I wake up. Nobody's at home. Or more. <laughs> What's going on? And I'm like, okay, maybe they went somewhere. I go outside, I see the car. What, what is going on? And I'm just walking around looking like for what could be happening. And because I had, you know, grown up, you know, no offense to anyone, but I'd watched Mount Zion films. I'd watched all these like, 
movies that talk about like you know you just walk it's all just vanish boom and then accident all over the road that you're like oh my god so i was like ah, okay ah, seems like jesus has come so i was moving around i was fretting i was trying to see my neighbors around and funny enough they had gone out i was like wait do are they christians i was asking myself so many questions i was just very very confused um <laughs> he first said left behind in real time and then you know it turned out I had gone back inside the house. It turned out that they went, my mom, my dad wasn't around. My mom and my brother were just two kids. My mom and my brother went on a walk. They didn't take the car. So all my fears were just unfounded. But, you know, that's the interesting thing. We've, many of us have predispositions right now already, right? You already expect this is how things are going to play out when it comes to the end. So if I ask anyone an average question, like, what's next in, in history, in, in time? Some of you will say, you know, okay, the next that is coming is Jesus is returning. Some people would actually, and you, this may be shocking, some other people would say, well, Jesus is not the next thing to happen. His return is not the next thing to happen. They have to be these, 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 these things first. Then that will happen. And so everyone has differences here. And what I want to just do right now to prepare your mind is that this is not didactic. This is not a, as didactic as Christology that we did several weeks ago, right? In Christology, we talked a lot about the details, Christ, the pre-existence of Christ, his death, burial, resurrection. We're on point on that regard. You know, there's no debating that. Those are the facts of the of of, of Christianity from history, right? And then we looked at ecclesiology with amazing effect. Killed it, man. You guys should go listen to it again. And we we learned about the church. The church exists today, and so we can see it, and it's clear. We know what the church's function is. We know what you know the church is about, and all of that. And then we looked at pneumatology last week um, with Daniel. Excellent time talking about the spirit, the work of the spirit. These things are clear. Like there's no, you believe this, and you you have to believe the the sound teachings of the apostles on these topics. But then we get to eschatology, and it's like, okay. Why are there so many divisions here, you know? And so I want to just make some disclaimers before we move on. Now, eschatology, for the most part, can be unclear, but it's still important to know. So don't be that person who comes to this meeting and is like, ah, I just don't want to know anything about it. I'm sure that's not majority of us. Majority of us are curious to find out what's coming next. But just know that a lot of things are unclear, all right? And then there's room for growth in understanding. This is not a thing where, you know, I say something today and tomorrow I will not change my mind on it. Because it's very, very, very cryptic. A lot. There's a lot of mystery about this. So I'm just preparing your mind that you, you hear a lot of stuff like that today. Um, but it's important. God has given us his word. So it's important that we, we strive to know it. Don't run away from it. I used to be that person that runs away from segments of the Bible because it's uncomfortable or I don't know what to do with it. No, take God's word. Let him grow you. Let him teach you. And I also want to say that if you, God has given pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists for the work of the ministry. So this Bible marathon is not the church. All right. You guys have your pastors. And so make sure that you are accountable to them. Make sure that you are learning and following what they teach. All right. So this is not in any way it, doctrinal like hey this is what you ought to believe i'll be sharing my own personal thoughts for sure because i've studied this and i've you know be i've seen all the sides and i'm like this this seems more feasible so i'll share that but don't take it as law all right and also it's a non-negotiable uh, sorry it's a negotiable 
what that means is this is not something that should divide the church. Now, if someone says Jesus is not Lord, I'm going to get out of here. You know, <laughs> we're not even having that conversation. If someone says, you know, something that just go, Jesus didn't die on the cross. Sorry, that's the core of my, of my belief. I'm not going to play with that one. But when it comes to, you know, when is Jesus coming? Is it premillennial? Is it postmillennial? And you hear, you understand some of those by the time we move on. You know, when is there a pre-trib rapture? Is there a post-trib rapture? All of that stuff. And so a lot of the church, the Nigerian church has a focus on a particular way of thinking about the end. And then you go outside and you find out, oh, wow, there are like six, seven other views on this. So just know that it's, it's, we still are ch the children of God. As long as we all agree on one fact, which is what? Jesus is coming soon. I hope we all agree. Jesus is coming Okay, good. So if we can agree on that one, which is what was clear in the scriptures, and I'm going to show you a bunch of scriptures today, then we're good. We shouldn't be a cause for division. And then also don't expect all the answers today. So if you have questions and I'm like, I don't know, please just accept it. Because <laughs> I will not be the person that will give you something I don't fully know. But there are certain things we need to discuss. All right. So I'll share those with you. Are we good? Hope we're still together. All right. Awesome. Um, I also want to say I appreciate those I can see because that gives me feedback. I can, if your video is on, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Feel comfortable. If I ask you to do anything, um, feel free to do that. So if you have a Bible, that would be very advisable because there's so many scriptures. I might just say, Hey, get this one, read this for me, read this for me, because there's so much to go through. And, um, I want us to do that. So what are the main topics today? I did a survey, right? If you're on the WhatsApp group, I sent a survey out earlier this week. I was like, hey, eschatology is a big topic. What are the questions you want answered? What are the areas that you want to get some clarity on? And based on that, I decided to arrange it this way. So we're talking about the return of Jesus, all right, which is core. And I think many people don't really know what that's going to look like. So we'll have to handle that. Um, the millennium, which is a very, very clear thing in Revelation 20. Then the, the final judgment and eternal punishment. You know, a lot of people have questions about who's judged. Are Christians judged? You know, um, is hell a real place? Is heaven a real place? Or is just this, um, you know, ethereal location? We'll have answers to that today. And then the new heavens and the new earth. And you know what's funny? A lot of people don't even know this is in the Bible. So we just think heaven at last. That's all you hear in the songs you listen to. Heaven at last. But that's not the end. The Bible is very clear that there is a new heaven, a new earth, where everything will be restored and life will continue in the fullness of, of joy um, in God's presence forever. All right. So let's start with the return of Christ. How am I doing with time? Okay, good. We can make it. <sighs> Lord, help me. All right. So is Jesus coming back? Yes. Say amen to that. Jesus is coming back. He is. And um, I think that is something to comfort us. A lot of people don't realize how comforting this is. Maybe because, you know, you live in America or in Canada or in Rwanda, maybe in a very nice place in Rwanda like our brother Gibson or, you know, you know, some people who just have things working so cool, like nothing's really happening. And then there's a bunch of people in South Korea or in Saudi Arabia or in China that have really been persecuted for their faith. And they're the ones shouting, come, Lord, we need you. 
So there's a huge disparity because some of us are just experiencing so much comfort that we do not think so much about the return of Christ, but it's promised. It's promised and we are called to desire it. We are called to prepare for Christ's return. So let's start by reading some verses. So we're going to read John 14, 3. And this verse, you know, there's a general um, context to it. But because of time, I'm not going to go into that. But let me just put this up on the screen. Hopefully it shows. John 14, 3. It says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. This is Jesus promising that, hey, I will come again. Key words, come again. All right, so that's very clear. Look at Acts chapter 1. This one was very, very beautiful for me to see. Acts chapter 1 from verse 9. Uh, we'll read to 11. It says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, so this was the, resur- the ascension of Jesus, the bodily ascension of Jesus. If you remember Shaitan's teaching, Shaitan made it clear. Jesus bodily ascended. They saw him go up to the sky and he was no longer seen. But while that was happening, it Uh, A cloud took him away, and then while they were gazing into heaven as he went, it says, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So we have that clear in scripture. The way he ascended is the way he will come down. All right? So he will return. Thanks for posting the, the scriptures. By the way, if you have questions along the way, you know what to do. Send it to anyone, um, anyone who has the co-host thing there. I guess people can see that, right? Yes, I think people should be able to see co-host. But yeah, uh, you can send the questions. Ayo, Tammy, Daniel, anybody. All right. And then finally, Revelation. And this is like, I mean, definitive. Right? We, 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 we want to see how everything ends. And we go to... Revelation twenty two thirty and it just simply says no no longer wait where am I thirty sorry thirty thirty twenty let's say thirty all right yeah these uh, he who testifies to these things says surely I am coming soon amen come Lord Jesus so in fact some translations would say Maranatha which means come. It's a call for Christ to return. All right. So this is, this is so crucial. The first question I want to answer is, is Jesus coming back? Yes. All right. That's settled. That's clear. We start from the clear to the unclear. And if, you've, if you were here with us last year, we, did a whole, we had a whole series on hermeneutics, how to interpret the scriptures. And one of the main points we made in one of our sessions was always start from the clear to the unclear. All right. Don't. Don't be that one who is just always looking for something deep, deeper than the depth of the depth. You know, there are people who are always looking for something deep. No, read the scriptures were given to you for your understanding. You know, um, Paul said the same thing in Ephesians 3, 4. Like, I want you to, I'm writing to you so you can understand this mystery. So it's not mystic, all right, or mystical. So Maranatha says, come Lord, come. We want him to come. Now, the real thing is, are we expectant? And this is where I really want you to be introspective. Ask yourself that question. Am I really awaiting the return of Christ? A lot of people don't. They're believers, but I mean, 
they have an assent to the fact that he's coming back. But I, I heard the funniest thing um, a while back. I was having a conversation with someone and I was like, man, Jesus is coming soon. And she was like, ah, I want to marry first. So he should not come. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, what? But I mean, I can and see. I'm not saying I really I can relate. I understand, you know. You know, a lot of people have just had this dream that oh, I've kept myself. I'm going to, you know, have a beautiful marriage, and then Jesus just comes, and and you know that's very very short-sighted. But I I, I get it. Um, is but is it? I mean, we'll get to that. I don't want to go ahead of myself. But I think a lot of us are too comfortable with the world system. We're not seeing beyond. I put it. I posted something on my um, WhatsApp status. A short video by Francis Chan. He was describing the length of our life here versus our life in eternity. And it was like, you know how you can have a shoelace? And you know that tip of the shoelace that is like very small? Imagine that as this life. And then just imagine the shoelace, the remaining part of the shoelace, like it just keeps extending. That's what you're supposed to live for. But many times we get so fixated in the now. We're just thinking about how can we, you know, get things done now you know we're thinking about the next next thing i want to get that job okay when i get that job now i'm so like what's the next thing and we're so fixated in that we forget eternity we forget that whatever we do here actually determines what the rest of our life would look like it's a problem it's a problem and it's something that we need to address very very carefully we're, we're very short-sighted. You know, the love of the world, too, is another issue. A lot of people are just so in love with this world. And God has better plans. You know, Jesus himself said, love not the world. And, and, and you want to make sure that your heart is right. If, if right now you're thinking about this and you're like, I'm not really expecting the Lord's return. That's fine. I think that honesty is very helpful. But don't stay there. Like, you need to desire his return. You need to. He says he's coming back. Let the scriptures transform your heart. That's the point I'm making. See what the word says. Let that be your reality, right? That's, I mean, that's everything we do, right? We see what God says. We go against our feelings, our natural tendencies, and say, God is right, we are wrong. That's what you need to do here. All right, so that's so important. And then I think one of the reasons a lot of people are not expecting Christ is because of a song like this. <laughs> Some of you know this song already. Will you be ready when the Lord shall come away? You know, and so you've heard this song, and you know, there's this whole vibe of oh, more Jesus is coming back. You have to be ready. You know, and there is a very, very important truth in that. There is readiness, and we're going to talk about it. But what is primary? Or primary, sorry, I know I'm saying it that way. What is primary is what does it really take to be ready? Like what makes you viable for his return? What makes you accepted when he comes back? What makes it possible for you to be with him when he's, yeah, he's in the sky? Simple, faith in Christ. I want that to sink in. And a lot of us, I mean, you've been eating good, so you already know what I'm about to teach, but I'm not going to make the assumption that people do, so I'm going to make some, spend some time teaching this. God wants you to be assured of your salvation. God doesn't want you doubting and, you know, 
thinking that today you are in, tomorrow you are out. You know, for a lot of people, salvation is like a sub subscription plan. So some of you use Glow or MTN or I don't know what network, wherever you live is. So it's like, I need to keep paying or doing something, you know, to keep having access to this service. But that's not how it works in the kingdom. The Bible is very clear. It is John, I mean, John 3.16, everyone knows this verse, but I think many people don't get how simple the gospel is. God loved the world in this way. He gave his only son that whosoever believes in him, that's the criterion, believes in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. So that's a promise. If you believe, you will not perish, you will live forever. And we're talking about eschatology today. That's the point. Forever living, right? <laughs> Sorry, that just came out wrong. Because I worked with Forever Living. Um, if you know the company, it will make sense. But, I mean, you live forever. That's, that's <laughs> very amazing. So, let's talk about that assurance. Because some of you are like, Ernest, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. But let me tell you some things God did. Just to assure you. Just to relieve you. You know, because a lot of people are so doubtful. In fact, in, this is the age of someone like a, in quotes, Mommy Gio. She's out there. She's tensioning the world um, on, on, on that IG page. Dramatic people. And it really is really dramatic, trust me. And she's just throwing a lot of false heresies. If it was in the days of, I think I was joking with one of my friends. If it was in the days of Calvin and Servitus, she would have been burnt at the stake. <laughs> It's a joke, but like, I mean, it's so funny that some of those things are allowed to persist. That falsehood of, if you don't do this, you even mentioned something about if football. If you, if you play football, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I'm like, what, what the heck is that? What does that mean? You know, you don't eat this fish. Um, and she's all, she has never said anything about Jesus so what he did, his work. And I think that's the first sign. Anything that anyone who is, your, if you have a pastor or you listen to someone who does not exalt the work of Christ, you're on your own. Vitamin C, Jesus is the global uniform of Antichrist. Let's not even give our reps now, I beg. But, but it's sad. And a lot of people, as much as we laugh at it and we say that's just silly, people are listening though. People are there sitting down, writing notes like this is the word from the Lord. And we don't want to have that approach when it comes to doctrine. We want to be very clear about what we believe. The Bible is very clear. All right, so let's look at a few things. What did God do to assure us of our salvation? One of the things he did was he gave us a seal. Let me show you this verse. It's really beautiful. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 13. All right, I want someone to read this. So if you have your Bible and you have the text, I really want you to read this. You're going to read from um, 13 to 14. Thank you, praise. Who's going? Um, I'll go. Mm -hmm. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and as a result believed in him, was stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, the one promised by Christ, as owned and protected by God. The Spirit is the guarantee, the first installment, the pledge, a foretaste, of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own purchased possession, his believers, to the praise of his glory. That's TPT, Abby. No, it's amplified. Amplified. Okay, wow. Well, amplified, yeah, that's that's good. I love that. So think about this. I, I mean, and, and then just think about what it means to have a seal. A seal is a guarantee. It's like God is saying, hey, I want you. And I'm proving it. 
and I'm doing something about it. So it's it's kind of like a man giving a woman an, an engagement ring. She, he's basically saying, hey, you're mine. I'm, I'm just securing the bag, all right? And I'm waiting to that moment when I can actually have all of you, you know? That's, that's really the idea. God put his spirit in us as a guarantee, a proof, a down payment. It's like a receipt. It's like, I want this. How can I have it? Well, I, maybe I don't have the full money right now. I'm just giving an example. So what do I do? I pay a deposit and I say, take, you know, secure this for me. That's kind of what God does for every believer, everyone who believes in him. He gives you the seal and that seal is the Holy Spirit. And he says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until, so there is a coming time when we will acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. That's so beautiful. So first of all, he gave us a seal. So you should not doubt God has done everything for you. But he didn't stop there. He gave something which I think is even bigger. He swore an oath. He swore an oath. And this one, I want to read it myself because I, I just love the idea. So it's in Hebrews chapter 6. Um, and I don't think I'm wasting too much time because I know someone is listening to me and you need to hear these things. So um, I want to focus on them for a while. All right, so here's the argument of the writer of Hebrews. He says, people swear by something greater than themselves. And in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So imagine you are arguing and arguing and someone says, see, I swear by my mother's life. At that point, you're like, this, this has to be true, you know, like, because why, why are you bringing something bigger into this equation? And so this is not a new thing. It's a concept that we had even back in Bible days. He says, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he wanted to show that this thing I have planned, I am serious about it. I'm not changing it. It's my plan to save you and to keep you secure. He says, he guaranteed it with an oath. So God is swearing. How many of you have pictured a swearing God? But he's a swearing God in the right sense of the word, all right? He's not swearing the way people swear. This is not like the F word or anything, please. This is something different. He's, it's an oath. And he says, so that by two unchangeable things, what are the two unchangeable things? First of all, it's impossible for God to lie. Second of all, an oath. An oath, you don't change it. It's final for confirmation. And then he says, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement, strong consolation to hold fast to the hope set before us. And then he says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. So God's idea is to secure you. As an, There's an anchor. There's something holding you. You know what an anchor is, right? In a ship. It makes sure that the ship doesn't just go astray. That's what this is. And he says, that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. These are beautiful truths, and if you don't really know them, I would say, hey, go back, embrace these truths. In fact, Jesus said this, said so much. He said, those that the Father will give to me, they will not, I will lose none, none. I will lose none. You know, and Jesus is praying in John 17. Um, let me just put that up because of time. John 17, and then verse 11. This is Jesus' prayer. He says, and I am no longer in the world. This is, you know, him praying about when he's about to die, right? He says, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, 
which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Look at that, the prayer. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if there were any prayers Jesus prayed that weren't answered. In fact, <laughs> that, that's even hard to imagine. But go ahead to verse 20. He's now praying, uh, sorry, 20. He's now praying not just for the people that followed him, you know, the 12 or the 11, as the case may be in this, in this scenario. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their, through their word. That's amazing, right? So I just wanted to assure you, if that didn't, you know, if, if for those of you who understand this concept, I hope you've even been stronger, you know, more confident that God swore God gave you a seal. There's even more. Like God just made sure that, hey, everything that could bring doubt should be put to the side. You know, Romans 8, chapter, um, chapter 8 from verse 1. How does this start? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Like, no condemnation. God wants to make you sh- know that that's his plan. Like, once you put your faith in him, that's what counts. It's not, your works are a product of your faith, but they do not make you become one with Christ. That's not how it works. It's first a belief and then it will a life. So that's so important to understand. And this is so crucial talking about the coming of Christ because how would you be expecting the return of a savior if you were not assured of your salvation? Right? Like why would you be expecting Jesus to come back when you feel like ah, Omar, he saw what I did yesterday and I've I've um, you know lost it now. I have to find my way back because ah, if he comes any moment, that's it. But when you understand what Jesus has done and the security you have in him by faith, it changes everything. And so this is, um, this is super important. Now, let's go to the next aspect of this. I hope you are following so far. And then to my um, amazing uh, co-hosts, please help with um, invite adding people because I feel like I've been doing that for a while. And for anyone who's just joining us, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad to have you here. In Mixelar as well, we see you. All right, let's go on. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. All right, so another question that we have to answer uh, regarding the return of Christ is the big question of when. When is he coming back, right? Because, yeah, we know he's coming back. We know that we have assurance, so we need to be expectant. But when? When is Jesus coming back? Well, obviously... The Bible is very clear on that. And see, it's so disturbing that some people just don't want to admit or accept this. So Jesus himself says, no one knows the day or the hour. (laughs) And this is not making this series scary. I don't think it's supposed to be scary. (laughs) I think it's supposed to be factual and comfort giving. And I mean, it's, it's a thing of comfort. I want to say it again. When you hear the word eschatology, don't think about this background that I used for this thing. <laughs> now, it will, there's a part of it where there is destruction. The Bible says that all that exists will be destroyed, you know, all of that. that and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. We're getting there. But make sure that you have, you know you belong to God. He's yours and you're his. That's what matters in this conversation. All right. Um, no one knows the day or the hour. And I, I, there are a lot of people who are saying, you know, um, well, you don't know the day, you don't know the hour, but you can know, you know, you can know, and they just want to play with that. But no, that's, that's not how you use the Bible. So the phrase day or hour actually means 
no one knows the time. That is how, like today, if I say, what's the time? You don't say two. When it is two, 20. Do you get what I mean? If I say, what's the time? You don't leave out the minutes just because you want to say the hour. So this is an example of that, even though that's not a perfect example. But get it. When Jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man will return. Or it's not given to you to know the times and the seasons. He's talking about you can't predict. So, you know why this is funny? Because Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, they've, they've given like so many predictions. Started with 1914, you know, which is like if you're Nigerian. 1914 reminds you of amalgamation. What, what happened in 1914? Okay, yeah, yeah, amalgamation of the Northern and Southern Protectorates. How do I still remember this thing? But yeah, um, and that, that's, a, that's, that's um, the, what they thought. They had already been teaching Jesus is coming in 1914, and then it didn't happen. So they had to a- arrange, you know, another theology to say, oh, you know, and in fact, even the Mormons too, like they have their own position on this where they feel like he actually came in America as like he actually has come back. Man, yeah, so they, we did a series on um, um, Christian cults last year. So if you don't know, if you want to get to know more about these things, go back to the podcast, listen to some of our teachings last year. I think the title was Ex- Examining Christian Cults. So we looked into um, Mormonism. We looked into all of those things and why, why we don't agree with them. Why don't we don't consider them as Christian in, in the historic sense of the word? Um, but yeah, the point is they've, they've tried. They've given their guesses, but they always miss it. And then there are people in contemporary times. For example, there's a book, um, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988. That I'm not joking. That is an actual book. You can Google it right now. And so at that time, people were already, in fact, people had already built like tents. Because, ah, Jesus is coming. Let's prepare. And so they just left their jobs. They left everything. They literally followed. And the guy that did it was a rocket scientist. So they just believed. You know, he was using astrology, he was calculating all these things, giving some mad, like, g- gymnastics with the words, you know, using the scriptures to... And at the end of the day, he didn't come. <laughs> because Jesus meant it. No one knows the day or the hour. I can come anytime. Right? So don't be, you know, don't be in unbelief is what the message is. And, and you know, one thing you realize is that, think about Jesus' first coming. There were a lot of prophecies weren't there, but they still missed it. In fact, let me show you. In 1 Peter chapter 1, um, from verse 10, it says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully what person or time the spirit of christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of christ and the subsequent glory so even those guys were confused like they were searching they thought they knew it but when jesus came they missed it right they crucified him they they missed the whole idea of his coming and they looked into it right the prophets looked into it but think about what that looks like for the second coming a lot of people are trying to also predict they're trying to calculate but no that's not how it works so the point is, Jesus is coming. He's coming back. It's coming soon. No one knows the day. No one knows the hour. And if there's anyone teaching you somewhere that you can calculate that it's 2020 something, they've done it before. How many of you watched that 2012 movie? 
that was popular one time. Oh my God. And then, you know, right now, um, and I'm saying this respectfully, you can look at some things and think that those are the signs. For example, you can look at hurricanes, you know, earthquakes, and Jesus did predict that those things will occur in rapid succession more. And those things are happening. But you can't say, oh, this hurricane happened, this earthquake, so Jesus is coming as so, so, so. You can't do that, you know. Um, so be very careful not to fall for those tricks. And, I mean, if the day is coming tomorrow, you don't have anything to worry about. Just live your Christian life, trust Jesus, love people, right, and expect his coming. That's just the message here. So I don't want to spend too much time. There are a bunch of scriptures. I'm going to run through all of them as fast as possible. Hope you are still with me. All right. There's still a lot to cover. I have my whiteboard. I want to use it to describe something. So I hope I still have that time. Um, so yeah, just too many to ignore. There's so many scriptures. So let me just read through a bunch of them. I knew that if I told you guys to open the Bible here, we'll sleep. So let me just read through them. Breeze through all of them. Matthew 24, 42 to 44. It says, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. All right, Matthew 25, 13. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. You see it repeated. Right, Mark 13 34 to 35. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servant in charge, each with his work, and that's so important to think about. Each with his work. So, as you expect the coming of Christ, you need to be working, you need to be vigilant. That's an instruction in God's word. All right, and he says, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake, therefore, stay awake, for you don't know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight. Or when the rooster crows in the morning, you don't know, all right? Luke 12, 40, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. It's too much. That's not the end. You may think that's the end, but there's more. Philippians 3, 20, you know, it says we, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are waiting for a Savior. He's coming back. First um, Thessalonians 5, 2, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And this one is the one that I miss. A lot of people um, used to subscribe to the pre-trib. I don't confuse anyone. We'll explain it. The pre-trib, pre-millennial uh, return of Christ, which is like, you know, that Jesus will come and just steal some people. You know, um, <laughs> let's leave that out for now. And I know you guys have questions. Please don't send too many questions. I'll do my best to make sure that I address those. Um, but yeah, when he says he's coming like a thief in the night, he just means when a thief comes to your house, do you know that, do they tell you I'm coming? Like I'm coming to your house at so, so, so time to rob you. No, they just appear. They jump over the ceiling, the roof and bring your money out. So that's the idea here. It's like, you will not know. So it's not talking about Jesus being a thief. All right. So take that, um, very important. Okay, Hebrews 10, 25. It says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. You know, go to church is what he's saying. Don't form, I, I, can, I can do my spiritual life myself. God has designed you to be in a church. All right. Habits, you should have the habit of meeting together with believers. He says, let, let us encourage one another all the more since you see that the day of the Lord is coming nearer. So the day of the Lord is coming nearer. He's, he's 
sooner than yesterday. <laughs> you get what I mean? The, the coming of the Lord approaches every day. Now, the question you might have is, how soon is soon? Right? How soon is soon? And I'll answer that in a short while. Look at James 5, 7 to 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. And that's the key thing. Be patient. Establish your hearts for the kingdom of the Lord is at hand. When he says is at hand, it means he's coming soon. It's very close. All right. I can keep going on and on, but we'll save time. But yeah, how soon is soon? Because that's a question. In fact, that was a question that was asked in Second Peter. Let me quickly show you. Second Peter uh, chapter 2 or 3. I think it's 3. Okay, it should be 2. So people are going to ask, or I think it's, it's 3, the beginning of 3. Let me see. Da, 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 da. Yes. I got it. Okay. So, Second Peter 3, 4. There, there are people who are going to say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Does this sound familiar? Jesus said he will come soon. Soon, soon, soon. Tete has not come. Since the fathers <laughs> have been sleeping, everything has been going normally. So, and you know, and then Peter answers the question. He says, for they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. He's telling them, look at creation. It's a long time too. Before the first coming of Jesus, it took a while. Right? So this idea of like, you know, he says soon. Soon is meant to be like tomorrow. But you can tell that the apostles expected a very, very soon coming Messiah. Like that was coming back. Very soon. That's what they, they expected, you know, and they lived like that. But we also need to. And then Peter says, well, uh, where's that verse? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to skip to this. Verse 8. Do not overlook this one fact. So this, this is the fact he tells us not to overlook. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. In other words, in God's mind, Times and seasons are different. So if you are thinking, ah, soon in one day, it can be a thousand. And this, is, this doesn't necessarily have to be literal because some people have started using this to calculate. Okay, one day is a thousand years. So let's calculate, you know. Okay, so let's, this verse says on the third day will rise again. So 3,000, yeah, 3,000. You know, people do a lot of stuff like that. And I'm like, no, the point is, when it comes to God, God is outside of time. Time is his creation. So you don't, you don't talk to him based on like, you know, oh, one day or two. Like with the Lord, a thousand years is like one day. And then he tells us why it seems like it's delaying. And I want to read it from the NLT. I think that will help. He said, the Lord is not being slow about his promise. He's not slow. But he's, the reason he has delayed, anytime you see a delay and you're like, this is not what I want. Here's, here's the motivation. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. That's the love of God. Because God is just, and that's something you need to understand. He's just, he must give judgment. But he's giving people time to repent. Acts 17.30 
For in the times of ignorance, God winked at. But now he calls all men everywhere to repent. God is always seeking. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all will come to the knowledge of the Son. Right? So that's the reason. So if there's any delay, it's because God is giving more people an opportunity to come to know Jesus. Praise the Lord. All right. So time is flying. Oh, my Lord. All right. Okay, I'm going to skip those. But yeah, so this is another thing. So there are signs, and I just want to talk, th- talk about this real briefly. The, uh, the gospel will be preached throughout the nations, the great tribulation, false believers and huge falling away, powerful signs. Now, these are some of the things that seem to be in the scriptures that will precede the coming of Christ. Now, I want you to be careful about this. You don't see everything happening around the world at once. And so if you look at some of these things and you think, well, it hasn't happened. Like the gospel has not reached everywhere. You'll be deceiving yourself because you can't really know. It's not like you're monitoring who is preaching everywhere, right? Uh, the great tribulation. To you, you might say the great tribulation has not come because you haven't suffered as much. But then look around the world, all right? And then huge falling away of, belie- of, of false believers. That's happening, but there's still like the idea that there's one that's going to be huge in the future. And then powerful signs in the heavens. So some people are like, well, you know, the Bible says the sun will turn to blood and the moon, sorry, the moon will turn to blood and everywhere will be dark and all of that stuff. And you're like, hmm, that hasn't happened. So Jesus is not coming yet. Well, that could happen in an instant. So you can't make those, you know, assumptions that Jesus is still far away to come based on these things. The man of lawlessness. How would you know when the, the Antichrist, who is really prophesied in scripture, um, John said there are many antichrists, but there's a guy who's going to be the man of lawlessness. He would dissuade people, deceiving men, all of that. And then the salvation of Israel, which is a whole conversation I don't want to go into. Because if you're a dispensationalist, if you believe in like God dealing with Israel uniquely with the, um, than the church, you have some differences here. But my point here in showing you this is, don't fall into that trap of saying, well, Jesus is not coming soon because these things haven't happened. Because you can't really be certain. Remember, no one knows the hour or the day. I feel like from a personal point of view, I know that some of these things necessarily have to happen. So I know it's possible there is a delay, but I'm not stupid enough to think it is extremely far, you know. And I hope you get the balance. I, I don't want to, I hope you are getting what I'm saying. Don't use these signs as a, way of saying Jesus is not coming soon, even though it's true. So what are the two things to note about what we said so far before we move to the next topic? Man, I'm rushing. Now I see what you guys experienced. Like the time is so short to explain everything. Okay, but yeah. So what are the two things? Live by faith alone, all right? That's what gives you that security. That's what gives you that joy that Christ is coming because you want him. You want him. And then do God's work. So while you're waiting for his return, don't just sit casually. Do the work of the Lord. You know, when they asked Jesus in Acts 1, how do we know this time, you know, the signs, when will you deliver, restore everything to Israel and all of that? And Jesus said, it's not in your power. It's not in your, it's not in, God doesn't show you that. That's not, it's not your business to know the times and seasons that God has placed. Then he says, but you go and preach. Be witnesses unto me. So he has given them a task to do. And that's what everyone here should do. A lot of people feel like, uh, I don't feel like preaching. I don't know how to preach. It's not as a Christian. You have to represent the gospel. You need to preach it boldly. 
if you if you struggle with it accept that fact that you struggle and pray and receive strength and learn how to but don't say it for some people you have to be in the lord's work and what's the lord's work it is helping men to know him and then to make him known that's really your purpose on the earth you know you bring glory to god by doing those things we have a ministry second corinthians um, 5 makes it clear um and all of that all right Ah, the millennium. Where do we get this concept of the millennium? Well, it's in Revelation chapter 20. And some of you will be wondering, what is this? And I promise I'll make it as simple as possible so that everyone is able to follow. So Revelation chapter 4 from verse... Um, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. 1 to 4. I see a question. Someone sent me a question privately. Um, let me see if it's in line. The difference between the rapture and this, his second coming that precedes the millennium reign. Okay, I'm about to talk about that now. So just pay attention to this. So where do we get the millennium from? Revelation 20. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy, a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the, tra- the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. So that's the first time we see it. He bound Satan in chains for a thousand years. So there's a period where Satan will be bound. His impact would be stopped. He won't be able to deceive nations. Um, the, angel, the angel threw him into the bottomless pit. And then he shot and locked Satan so he could not deceive the nations anymore. Until the thousand years were finished. And then afterwards he must be released for a little while. Then I saw blah, 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 blah. So let's focus real quick on the thousand years. And so this is how um, um, the, the, a lot of people have their divisions on, you know, when is Christ coming? Is, when is the millennium going to happen and all of that? So there are three key um, positions on this, which have to do with the millennium. And the way you remember this is what is the event we're all waiting for? Christ's return, right? So premillennial would mean what? Christ comes before the millennium. Does that make sense? All right. I'm, I hope I didn't lose you. I'm, trying, I'm going to skip through this because, to be honest, it's not an essential. But I think it's good that you know it. Because a lot of people have asked this question. Like, what is premillennial? All that. So it's the belief that Christ will come before the millennial reign. Millennial reign means Jesus will come and reign. Like, he will literally reign. He will set up his government will be in charge everyone will be submitted to him basically um um the whole of romans 4 might answer some of our questions all right i hope i romans 4 that's abraham and david um but okay let's let's not be distracted let me quickly show you what this looks like um uh let's see i'm gonna switch to my other device Hi, uh, can you guys hear me? You yes, can? we can. Okay. All right, so I'm going to spotlight this one so that you guys can see it. I'm going to stop sharing my screen for a moment. Is it visible enough? 
Yeah. Am I audible? Okay, good. So I'm just going to show you what this really is, what's going on here. So um, the post-millennial view, we'll start with that, is basically, like I said, when is Christ returning? Christ is returning um, post-millennial. So in other words, this is the church age. You know, from here to here is like the church age. The church is growing. According to the post-millennial view, the church is growing. It's advancing. There's a lot of progress. The gospel is being preached. Things are going up, right? And then as things are going up, there will now be some period called the millennium, all right? They believe it could be um, figurative. Some, some of them believe it is actual 1,000 years. So that's the millennium. I'll just write mill. And then they believe that after the millennium, which is post, after the millennium, Christ will now come back. And then when he comes back, there will be final judgment. Sorry for my handwriting now. I just want to explain it because if I just posted it here, you might not get it. That's pretty well, judgment. And then there'll be new heavens and new earth. All right, so that's the, that's the first thing here. Then the amillennial position, I'll come there. Let me just explain it. So most people think amillennial means no millennium, but that's not what it necessarily means. It just means um, Christ died and the church age. They just believe that the church age right now is the millennium. So it's figurative to them. It's like right now when the millennium, so this millennium in um, Revelation 20, is just that, and then Christ Christ comes back, right? And then final judgment. So they still agree that there's a final judgment. Um, check, and then new heavens and new earth, right? This is terrible, my handwriting is terrible. All right, then premillennial, which is what many of us subscribe to because maybe we've watched um, Tim LaHaye, and uh, Jerry Jenkins left behind. It's like, okay, so the church age begins, right? And then this is the church age, the church is growing and things are happening, they're suffering and all of that still. And then there's a time where all of a sudden Jesus comes, all right? He just comes. So when church age, mm. we're expecting that, that's the very next activity. And then when he comes, there's going to be a literal, so if you're a premillennial, you believe there's a literal 1,000 years, which is mil, millennium, right? And then at this point, Jesus is going to literally, you know, reign physically. So Jesus will come back. We'll meet him in the sky, right, here. And then he'll come back, reign for 1,000 years from Jerusalem. And then... After reigning there, we'll reign with him. He'll give some of us like responsibilities and stuff. And then there'll be final judgment here. And then the new heavens and the new earth. So I hope you get it now. So in case you see this, you know, anywhere and you're reading, you know, you want some clarity on that, all of that. So um, now one more thing I want to add is that in the premillennial position, there are different views here. So um, there's pre and post tribulation, and it's still the same concept. 
So when you say pre-tribulation, you believe Jesus will come before the tribulation. So the, in other words, that's the left behind idea, right? That, okay, Jesus will come and then will disappear. will not be here. And then there'll be a seven year period, like from here. So in, in this case, Jesus will come here and then maybe before the millennium, like this, in this area here, Jesus will come, but um, he will take us before the tribulation happens, right? Jesus will come here, tribulation will happen. And then there's like seven years and all of that. And the millennium will happen. Then post-trib means we would be, the church would be a part of that tribulation and Jesus will come after tribulation. There's also mid-trib. And now let me just tell you something. No matter the position you hold here, and that's the point. I'm showing you this because I, I should. It's, it's a good thing to show you. But the main point here is Jesus is coming back. I'm still hammering that point. Jesus is coming back. And regardless of what you believe here, we're still the same. We still um, believe the same plan of salvation, which is Jesus is coming, we'll receive new bodies, and we'll reign with him. Now, most people don't know that there is actually rewards for believers, right? So your whatever you do will determine what happens in the millennium, right? So which where would you rule? How much, how many cities and all of that? There's all of that. So ah, hope this was clear. Any quick questions on this? It was a rough sketch. There's no time, um, but it kind of gives you an idea. So, and, and there are reasons that, let me just tell you also that there are very, very valid reasons for each position. So like the reason if they are heavy and important views and a lot of different people hold. So for example, um, this guy, Charles Pudgeon was a, um, Jonathan Edwards was a post-millennial, even though I'm like, how did you believe that? But because things were going so well with the gospel, he just felt this has to be it. So like the gospel will, re, will, re, um, will rule and prevail. And then there'll be a thousand years and then Jesus will come back for like a very perfect, amazing world. But I don't see it because I see more of the pre-millennial. Pre in case you're asking like, what do I believe? I believe more of the pre-millennial. I, right now, and I might change my mind, I think we might be in the tribulation, but it's, it's very, very, difficult to know for sure but my point is guys you know this on the surface level and that's fine you know but i think the main point here like i was saying is jesus is coming back and we should be ready okay i'm gonna stop the video here and switch back okay can you guys hear me Ah, thank God that worked out. Okay, so now there are a lot of questions about like the Antichrist, the beast and all of that. And on that chart I showed you, that diagram, there are a lot of differences. If I want to go into that, that's another series. But like I was telling some friends, I said I will not go beyond where my own, <laughs> my own pastor would not go beyond. And, and that, what I mean by that is like there are restrictions to, like we don't want to emphasize what is not the core for example, let me even share this with you. Some people might not even know this. Um, there was an event that happened in AD 70 that actually is a fulfillment of some of the things Jesus said in Matthew 24. So some people read Matthew 24 and they just think 
that's the end. So they read something like two people are in the field, one is taken away, the other is remaining, and they are thinking rapture. Whereas in history, in AD 70, that actually happened under Emperor Nero, where there was the destruction of Jerusalem. So you can see why there's a lot of confusion. Because Jesus there was talking about a very soon coming destruction of Jerusalem and his future coming. So many, a lot of theologians, are, they differ on this point. Now, questions like, is there going to be an Antichrist? I believe there will be. Um, and it's called the man of sin, the man of lawlessness. He will mislead a lot of people. And um, whether he does that, when, if, for those of you who believe the church would have been raptured first before that happens, that's also plausible. Some people think that the church will still be here, you know. Let's not go into that. I'm, time is already running out, and I still need to talk about final judgment. So I'm, I, I'm wondering what the questions will be, but I hope I'm doing a fair job so far. All right. So final judgment. Jesus is going to judge all right, the living and the dead. The Bible is clear on that. In fact, we keep reading Revelation 20 um, to save time from verse 11. You know, there was a great white throne and sitting from it. And he saw, he says, And I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So there is the book of life and there are books. And the judgment has to do with... Um, how people, the dead, were, what they did, all right? I just want to clarify something. When we talk about the judgment or the judgment seat of Christ or the great throne, all of that, the great right throne judgment, when it comes to believers, you need to understand that our judgment is one for rewards, all right? Because a lot of people are afraid, like, I, I thought God separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. Why are we still um, being judged? But it's very clear in the scriptures. For example, um, Colossians 3.25 let me show you that real quick let me put it up on the screen okay so alright so look at this it said knowing that ye of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ for he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he had done, and there's no respect of persons. Oh, I'm not sharing my screen. Oh, wow. Sorry, guys. I thought I was. Thank you. All right. Good, 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 good. So, man, time is running. Hope you guys have learned something so far. Um, and during the course of the week, we're going to try to, like, you know, clarify some things too, because I don't think this time is enough for everything. Um, what you do matters, guys. What you do matters. Um, how you live matters. And that also applies to the unbeliever. Nothing goes beyond the sight of God. But what I'm trying to say is, because you are in Christ and what Jesus did has covered your sins, God does not remember. He chooses to have, I call it selective amnesia. Volume? I don't think it's me. Check. But yeah, God decides to have selective amnesia. He decides, not that, because God knows all things. When he says um, he has forgotten our sins and, you know, it doesn't mean that he, he forgets things. He just, it just means that he chooses not to treat you according to your sins. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, your sins are washed away, all right? 
and and God doesn't base you judge you based on that. But then there is something the Bible talks about, which is the reward of your works. So as a Christian, and this is why you need to live with with purpose in mind. Make sure that the life you live here, God does not every good deed you do, every nice thing you've said, every um, person you've helped, you know, uh, you know, people that you give, you give to the poor, you take care of the needy, you know, you help at your church. Every little thing God sees and records in the books and you are rewarded according to those things. So don't, don't underestimate the things you do on the earth. There is a reward day in heaven. All right. And as equally as there is a reward day, there is punishment um, for unbelievers. And that's one of the hardest things to 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 handle because i mean eternal punishment is a big deal but it's taught in the scriptures and you can read that in the rest of um, revelation 20 right there is a real hell is not figurative now let's round up uh (laughs) i'm glad we got here so a new heavens and new earth i think what i want to focus on now because of the time we have is it's not just heaven all right it's not just heaven we just think heaven at last i mentioned it at the beginning it's beyond that god has a plan to renew the world that he created so he's going to give a definitive blow to the devil and all that devil has done in deceiving the nations and will finally bring about an amazing kingdom in fact that's the whole idea of romans 8 i think i want to show you that real quick romans chapter 8 a lot of people have used this verse the wrong way and it used to pain me when i hear it you know for the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Ah, you can manifest. Go and manifest your glory. That's not how to interpret the scripture. This is talking clearly about the fact that there is an expectation for of the creature. Everything that has been created is waiting for when God will reveal who his sons truly are. And that's when at the coming of Christ. Because the Bible says when he comes in the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be changed. We'll all be transformed. And at that moment, the world will see us for who we really are. And that's why I believe um, that we're going to be here physically with other people, unbelievers, in our, um, let me leave that out. But yeah, it's something to, to discuss. Um, if, you wanted to, if you want to know more about what I think, I can share with you. But um, like I said, nothing here is stamped as final. But I, see, I don't see, anytime the Bible talks about the return of Christ, I don't see very a secret coming i see trumpet sound everyone will see him bam that's what i see in scripture so it takes a lot not see that way um especially if you are reading just the bible alone um heaven is not ethereal it's not just a mythological concept it's a real place it's a place where god makes his presence full and manifest all right and the whole idea like i was reading romans eight twenty. um all of creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by the reason of him who subjected in hope. And he says, before, because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. That's what's going to happen. The earth will be delivered from the destruction that came because of the sin of Adam. And you know, remember when Adam sinned and Eve sinned, they were cursed. Even this, the ground was cursed. So that has to be... Re- 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 um, Adam is going to be given a new... There'll be a new Adam. There also be a new earth. You get it. So God resolves all the problems altogether. So all the things that came with the fall, like corruption, you know, all of that will be restored. By the way, what would that look like? You're gonna have new bodies, all right? Some of you are excited, but me that I deal with pimples, that's a good thing to to, to know. I'm gonna have a flawless body with li- limitless ability. 
Um, heaven is not going to be boring. A lot of people think it's just a place where you wear white and float, you float like the angels. No. Think about it as another earth point two. Let <laughs> me just put it that way. Or 2.0 of earth. Like everything that sin destroyed is fixed. Like you would, you would, you can lift. I'm just imagining there'll be restaurants. There'll be, you know, beautiful opportunities. And, you know, I believe we'll keep seeing the glory of God and learning more about him. I think it's going to be an amazing time. And God wants us to really think about that, right? Think about heaven. Think about his plan. All right. Colossians 2 tells us there'll be food. Actually, I've seen a lot of scriptures that prove that there'll be food. For those of you who are wondering, there'll be football in Jesus name. For those that like football, and there, I mean, there's everything that made us glorify God here will be there. Like, exactly, you can eat as much. This is like eat everything that eat everything buffet and you'll still be in shape. Um, but yeah, these are things to think about. We don't know yet what it's going to be like, but I can tell you for a fact, it will be better than anything that you might lose or miss here. For someone who says, ha, if Jesus comes and I've not yet had sex, this is a real concern people have, by the way. I'm like, see, what God is planning for you is greater than whatever your mind can conceive here. So don't be overwhelmed by those thoughts. All right. I'm rounding up here. Ha! Ah, Jesus is Lord. Lay up treasures in heaven. Expect his return. And that know that not all things are clear on this side. And that's fine. You don't need to know everything. But know the essentials. All right. And um, that will be what you need, honestly. So let's pray real quick. I'll take questions after um, Ayo is done. So I'll be expecting the questions to come my way after Ayo is done. And then um, we'll, we'll say goodbye. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Lots to cover, but I'm glad that we're able to focus on what is important, that you're coming soon. We have assurance we can be hopeful and expectant for your return. And even though we don't see everything, we see dimly as in the glass right now, we know that we will see everything clearly, and that's enough for us. We love you and we appreciate you. We celebrate the work of Jesus and we live forever in that fame and in, in, in the knowledge of his name and spreading his fame around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Whew. Hey there. So we've come to the end of this teaching session and we hope it was for you a teaching and an enlightening moment. We have so many other topics on our podcast that range from spiritual gifts to charisma to interpreting the Bible world and so many others. If you'd like to listen to any one of them, just look through our podcast catalog and find the topic that you'd love to learn. If you'd like to join us Sunday live on MixLR or on Zoom, all you need to do is go to our website, which is bit.ly forward slash bmglive4. That's the number or you can look in the description and you will find the link to the website there. We hope you have a blessed week and continue to grow and progress with joy in your faith.